Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. And Bulgaria gives 12 points to United Kingdom. Wow! Thank you very much, Bulgaria. Keeps us off the bottom. That's the main thing. We did not come last, ladies and gentlemen. So, seven countries voted for Bali tonight. So, more points than Engel voted Josh Dabobi got. Last year we came 25th. This year, we're 19th. I really thought she would do better. That she deserved to do better. It was a great performance, a Ten good song. Go I think maybe coming last was what did us in. Armenia got twelve. Those were the very last and points. We did. Now it is official. I mean that really. I mean we were better than that. Come on. Poor old Alex and Bianca. Malta's 12 points go to United Kingdom. United Kingdom 12 points. Now you can see how far you've walked. The mountains climbed, the oceans climbed. Our 12 points go to the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom 12 points. Five 
moving on to United Kingdom. And the public points to the United Kingdom are three points. It is with great regret we have to announce the cancellation of the Eurovision Song Contest 2020 in Rotterdam. Do we know where we stand currently with, with James Newman? I can't mention anything about 2021 yet. I know that's what you want me to talk about. This is the Euro Trip. So there you have it. You have just heard the roller coaster ride that has been the United Kingdom in the last decade at the Eurovision Song Contest. And at the very end there, James, we heard the UK's entry for 2021 Embers by James Newman. It came out yesterday and we thought, well, if ever there was a time for a bonus episode of the podcast, because my God, we love a bonus episode of the podcast. It was that. Oh, it's perfect time to do another bonus episode, isn't it? We we love to treat you here at the Euro Trip. But yeah, as Rob says, the United Kingdom has released its entry for the Eurovision Song Contest in 2021. And boy, have we been treated to an absolute banger, haven't we? It's a really, really good song. It's a song that sounds like it could chart. That's what I think personally. Anyway, it's doing really, really well on iTunes already. The reaction on social media has been definitely more positive than negative which is fantastic to see for a, for a uk song very quickly james you've said it's a bot you like it certainly do it's an absolute 10 out of 10 or should i say 12 points from me 12 points from you very good yeah no i love it i think it's really really great it's the best song that the united kingdom have sent for a very very long time but mine and james's opinions don't count for anything so therefore, we thought we would uh, get you some thoughts from people who actually matter, didn't we? People who actually know what they're talking about. People who have been there and done that. And maybe we might even have a Eurovision winner amongst them as well. Yeah, we've got four special guests joining us for this bonus episode of the Euro Trip, which we have very cleverly called Making Their Mind Up because, you know, we're geniuses and we're funny like that. Uh, we've got, as I say, four special guests joining us from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest to discuss James Newman's song, Embers, this year, and also just to have a bit of a chat about the United Kingdom at Eurovision. But before we hear who they are, and before we hear what they think of the song, let's hear James Newman's entry for Eurovision 2021. And don't forget, anything you hear on this podcast, please do get in touch. We're at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And on email, we're hello at EurotripPodcast.com. This is the Eurotrip. Out of the Hi, I'm Nikki French and I represented the United Kingdom at Eurovision in the year 2000 with a song called Don't Play That Song Again. Hi, I'm James Fox and I represented the UK at Eurovision in 2004 with a song called Hold On To Our Love. 
And uh, hi, I'm uh, Charlie McGettigan, and uh, I represented Ireland in the Eurovision in 1994, way, way back in the last century, mm -hmm. uh, with Paul Harrington with a great song called Rock and Roll Kids. And we won. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've just heard there the, uh, the three Eurovision stars that are joining us for this podcast. And as they were introducing themselves, uh, BBC Radio 1's music reporter Steve Holden joined us. Uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Oh, sorry, I get I get crashed. That I'm I'm sorry, Rob. <laughs> Not at all. It's wonderful to have you because you have just come from. I've just come from James Newman's house, <laughs> randomly. Um, yeah, basically, we're filming a documentary with him for Radio One's iPlayer channel. We're basically picking up where we left off last year because we were following him to Rotterdam, and then it got cancelled. So our documentary became a documentary about the cancellation of Eurovision. Um, so we've picked it up again this year, um, obviously all COVID safe and BBC health and safety protocols followed, must say that. Um, but yeah, we've been with him all day as the songs come out. Um, and it's been, it's been great to see the reaction and to see him see the reaction. So he's obviously been on Radio 2, he was played on Radio 1. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really nice. Uh, and I'm sure he would tell you if he was here, that he was really nervous before the song was released today, but he's just been buzzing all day because as you guys have probably already seen, the reaction's been really warm today. And already in the iTunes top 10. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah. One question I'd like to ask is, it, it, I looked at the, um, at the YouTube um, version, and, but the, the songwriter, James wrote the song, did he? Yeah, he co-wrote the song. Yeah, he's one of with the writers. Four, with four others. That's that's a committee that, that, that wrote that song. <laughs> well, Connor Blake, think... Danny and Tom Hollings and Samuel Brennan. We only need one guy to write a song in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows, though, how much maybe it's changed over the years. You know, for, for you, Charlie, it's, it's almost 30 years since you represent Ireland. And now, you know, we're 30 years on and the way music is written or, or the way many people would look to write a certain style of music for the contest may mm -hmm. now require so many people to, to write that sort of song. Uh, I'd love to, of course, get all of your opinions on what the song is like. Nikki, can I come to you first? You must have heard the song like the rest of us. What were your initial yeah. thoughts when you heard that either on the radio this this morning? The very first thing I thought was, I love the energy of it. You know, it's 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 just got such a lovely sort of feel to it. The one thing that that sort of gives it a drawback for me personally is that it's not live brass. It's not real brass. It's it's computerized brass. But I love I, I, I've been playing it um, sort of all afternoon and I, I really do like it, genuinely like it. And um, like Steve said, it's had a great reaction by and large from the fans. And let's be honest, they're you know, they're pretty precise in what they say but they tend mainly to, to love it. And that's a great sign. I, I really do like it. I really do. James, what about you? What, do you? what do you think about the song this year? Yeah, I really like it as well. It, um, it took me a couple of listens. Um, yeah, I think it's really strong, really good groove on it. I love the brass section. I love the sort of breakdown chorus uh, followed by like the brass sort of party section. It's a real party song. I think it'll work really well on the night and in the contest. Um, 
Yeah, uh, it's almost perfect. Do you know what it is? It's got some great lines like light up the room, fire burning for you and all that. And it's a very universal message. I think will people will understand the lyrics very well all across Europe. I just don't know whether it's almost perfect. I think this song, I think they've done, James done such a good job and the, the, the rest of the committee. But I'm not sure about the uh, the embers line, whether that's a lyric, pay, a big enough sort of lyrical payoff for me. You know, I love the song. And it's it like I said, it ticks every single box. But I just wonder whether that makes any difference. Potentially not. Or whether it's a strong enough hook for the title. I don't know. There's so many hooks in it. It's like a fisherman's tackle box. But it's um, <laughs> I, I don't know whether they've got that. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's uh, Ember's line. I, it's lost on me that one. Like Charlie, sure. the, uh, James has just described as almost perfect with the, with all these songwriters on it. Do you think they've done a, a good enough job for the UK this year? Oh, I think they have. You know, it's it's it's. I actually like the idea of the phoenix rising out of the embers because it's topical. People have been in lockdown for the whole year, basically since since last year, and this song's got a lovely positive. We're going to party. We're going to have fun. I didn't notice computerized computerized brass. I'm not that clever, but obviously. Uh, Nikki, Nikki has an insight on that kind of knowledge, you know. But uh, but they were all miming with their saxes and their trombones and stuff, but it's good. Yeah, I think it's a very positive song. Now, Steve mentioned earlier on just being with James as he was able to hear the song being played on the radio for the first time. For you three artists that have been to Eurovision before, I just want to know what that feeling was like for you. James, I'll go to you for this one first. What's it like hearing your yeah. song being played for the very, very first time. It's quite exciting. I think even more so for James because I didn't I didn't write mine. I think if you write it, that you're obviously going to be closer to it. So that's obviously a big thrill to hear that back. You know, I hear my songs on the radio now. It's it's that's the bit, you know, you know when you wrote it, you know, the time you spent producing it, and then to hear it out in the world is a big thing. So basically I kind of just sang mine, you know, when I recorded it. So that it wasn't so much of an attachment for that song, but with other songs. I've had that. That is always exciting. I think if that's not exciting, there's something wrong. So uh, yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that, but not so much with my Eurovision song because I didn't write it. Nikki, what about you? How does how did your experience compare there to to James's in that you know hearing it for the first time and getting that thrill of knowing that's the song I'm going to be taking to the to the contest? Yeah, it, it it's it's always very exciting to hear it on the radio. Mine uh, was a little bit different because um, I was alerted by my mum, uh, my dear departed mum at the time, who listened to Wogan every morning. And she phoned me up and she said, he doesn't like your song, Nick. And and I was due to have a photo session with him the very next day. So bless him, he walked in and uh, he was charming as ever. And I just turned around to him and said, I hear you don't like our song. And he spent the rest of the whole photo shoot trying to sort of charm his way back. And the next day he played it again and was just very, very complimentary about me. But I know Wogan didn't like the song, um, but it was still very special to hear it on the radio whenever you did. You know, it was lovely. And even now, um, being in the sort of the various Euro clubs or, or at the London Eurovision or something, when it gets played, it, it feels great. It's lovely. Um, I, mean, I, I think that's a sad thing about this song is that there's no there's not going to be a club for all the Eurovision fans to go to in Rotterdam. I mean, it would it would absolutely storm it in there, but there's not going to be one for them to dance to. So that's a shame. Steve, you're a regular attender of the uh, the Euro Club, I'm sure. Can you imagine uh -huh. this one, as James would say, popping off? 
Yeah, I can actually, because even today when I was stood in his garden freezing, like it shivering in the cold, and I was still like bopping around even when the song was on. And that was unconsciously after having heard it probably about 10 times before then, you know? So it's just one of those songs, um, like James said, it's really hooky. Um, I think it was Charlie actually said it was like full of fishermen's hooks, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of, it gets into you quite quickly. And uh, that brassy instrumental bit, that's the bit you take home from it. And regardless whether you like it or not, not whether you like it or you don't like it, if a song can make you do that after one listen, then you've done something right, haven't you? You certainly have, haven't you? How is James now? Of course, he's had this long day. You know, he's had the anticipation for, for probably weeks knowing that this, this song is coming out. And then he's had this long day. It got played on Radio 2. It's been played on Radio 1. He's had all the, the attention from the fans. How has he been after this long day so far? Yeah, I think it was like when you shake up a fizzy can, you know, and then you pop it off and everything pops out. And he's got the one show um, tonight. And then I think he's got some more press commitments like BBC Breakfast tomorrow. So he's very much in that um, bubble where everybody wants a little bit of him. Um, but he was just really excited today um, and relieved that it, it was out and that the reaction, most importantly, was 95% positive. I, I follow a lot of Eurovision fans on Twitter and I know some of them are really, really cynical about Eurovision, about the UK in Eurovision. And no matter if the UK put something that would win Grammys forward, they would still hate it or not like it or find complaints. And some of those people were saying, what am I saying? I like our entry for the first time. I genuinely like it for the first time in years. So I think He's, he's done the first job on the list, which is get the fans on side. Charlie, you were, you were part of the, the special show on RTE, the Late Late Show, where Ireland, of course, premiered their, their song for, for the Eurovision this year with Leslie yes. Roy. How difficult is it, do you think now, for the likes of the UK and for Ireland to go to Eurovision and to impress? Because there's so much scepticism now, isn't there? Well, I think, you know, and, and I think people deserve to be sceptical about the Eurovision. I think the, the whole voting system is wrong, as far as I'm concerned. When we won it, it was jury voting and jury voting only. And then they introduced jury voting plus telephone voting. I think the telephone voting could be done in a much cleverer way and the, the people that are commercially involved could make an awful lot more money. There was always a big controversy about whether Ireland would vote for Britain or Britain would vote for Ireland, particularly when the troubles were going on. You know, it was it was quite controversial to be people getting very bad form if England didn't give Ireland a, a good vote, you know, that kind of way. So I think, you know, it, it's it's very hard. You know, it'd be very easy to say Embers is going to win or it's a great song is going to win. I wouldn't think that it'll win under the present system of voting. And that's nothing to say that there's anything wrong with the song. The song is great. As Charlie says there, of course, you've got to convince the, the televote, the, the viewers at home, but you've got to convince the, the juries, the professional juries. James, do you think this song has that appeal to, to both sides? I think it does, mate. I think it, it really does. It's, um, yeah, industry-wise. I've spoke to a guy that works with James quite a lot today, a songwriter, and he, he's um, he was of the same mind as me. It's a very clever song. You, tell, you can tell maybe it's, it's written by more than one person. It sounds like it's been, you know, worked on by a few people, but I think that sometimes can dilute an idea. Um, 
and compromise it or sometimes bring out the best in every part. And like I said, when one bit ends, you can feel like the verses, someone's, the, the middle eight, the chorus, everything is patched up. But I think it's the, the best bits patched up, you know? Um, it does sound a bit like that, but I think they've collectively made a very, uh, very good song. And I, I'm, my mate told me, he was, was a good friend of James, that he, he can sell this. He's, a really, he's going to be really good live and he's excited about the live performance of it. And um, I think it'll sound even better. I think it'll benefit from being live. You know, I think it's a real party song. I think it'll win over, like it's already won over critics. I think it'll win over the audiences too. So we'll, uh, we'll see. I think it's, it's as, strong, as strong as we've had for a long time. It's got a good chance, I think. Steve, in your role as, as the, the music reporter at BBC Radio 1, you've, of course attended many contests in the past you followed the UK acts at Eurovision where does James compare just in terms of his attitude to the contest because from the outside looking in it really does look like he gets it he totally gets it um we did another interview with him today my colleague did it and he totally appreciates um what Eurovision is um he was very in the mindset when when we interviewed Duncan Lawrence two years ago uh, it, going to Tel Aviv, Duncan said, who would turn down the chance to appear on stage in front of 200 million people, any artist of any genre, like you never get that big an audience in one fell swoop. Um, it works, it might not work, but why would you turn it down? James totally gets that as well and, and knows how seriously it's taken in other countries in Europe that are desperate to win the Eurovision Song Contest, realises how um, quite often countries are putting forward their most famous singers, um, that they are getting their best songwriters involved. He's got a really good attitude about this. It's not like he's embarrassed to represent the UK for it. Like he is raring to go. He's also a, a relative, he's not a new artist in terms of songwriting, but he's a new artist in terms of a singer. And he gets that, he, he totally gets that um, philosophy that when else am I gonna perform for such a large audience? So. He does have a really good attitude and he's, he's likeable as well. Like in the interviews, he's got charisma. If he can get some of that charisma across in his live performance, because um, you only get three minutes to do it, then that's half the battle won. Because people, I, I don't know about all of you guys and people that have appeared at Eurovision, but if you can sell your song because you believe in it, then the viewers pick up on that. If you're a singer and you don't like your song, then surely some viewers kind of are, are quite attuned to that and it's a turn-off. Charlie, you're nodding your head to that. Yeah, well, we were so lucky, uh, Paul and myself, and I had never met Paul uh, before we did the, we did the Eurovision, um, but we gelled on a, on a personal level. I remember um, when the song came out, I remember we called to Paul's house and we, um, there was a radio on in the, in, the, in the hall as we had opened the door and there was radio. And then we went into the... The living room, there was a radio on, and there was a radio on in the sitting room. And we went upstairs, and there was a radio on in the bathroom and, and two of the bedrooms. And Paul said, Ma, ma why, why, what are you doing with all the radio? Do you not get more money the more radios that are playing? <laughs> you know? So, um, what was the question again, James? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can even remember now, Charlie. I'm not sure I can remember. Steve, one of the interesting things that Steve picked up there for me was, was not being embarrassed to represent the United Kingdom. Nikki and James, you both had different experiences because of the artists that came before you. James, we'll come to you in a second, but Nikki, of course, you represented the UK off the back of the UK doing very, very well in Eurovision. The UK had hosted Eurovision just two years before, which brings its own sort of pressure. 
yeah and um yeah I'll, I'll i'll say it so that you don't have to so then becoming the worst ever eurovision uk placing was it was just horrible you know you just wanted to dig a hole and just sink into it um but that you don't feel that there's a sort of pressure on you when you're there you you just you get absorbed into all the everything that's going on you know I mean certainly my year it was it was just mad you know the hotel that we stayed in was also the venue that we performed in so apart from all the excursions and so on we could have just stayed in the hotel for the whole time um but we didn't but it's it's I mean it's you know it's a huge bubble that that everybody just gets absorbed into but it's such an enjoyable one it, it really was and I think the moment it hit me most was the night of the final and seeing out of my hotel room window people walking up with their various flags on their arms um, and suddenly seeing some Union Jacks and thinking oh my god they're here for us you know and and that was really really special. James, what was it like for you then? Because as Rob mentioned before, Nikki was representing the UK after a pretty decent spell, it has to be honest. But for you, you came just the year after Gemini, of course, uh, finishing in last place. What was the pressure like for you? And how do you think that pressure would, would compare for James when he's coming off a, a, a bit of a patchy run for the UK as well? Yeah, well, in terms of pressure, in terms of following a result, the pressure was totally off me. I mean, it, it couldn't have gone any worse, could it? So in that, in that respect, there was no pressure. But I, as a performer, I'm sure most performers, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, and I wanted to, especially in front of that audience. And you do feel, you know, you're representing your country. You don't want to let anyone down. You're representing yourself. There's lots of fans, lots of people traveled over. So there's an immense amount of pressure on the night. Uh, but as soon as you've sung, as long as you've done it, all right, you know, I, I got away with it. It was all good. Nothing went disastrously wrong like the, the, the year before. So outside of that, then the pressure's off. The result, you have nothing to do with. You can't influence that outside of your three minutes. So as long as you let, don't let yourself down there, uh, I think you're fine. And James obviously knows this song backwards. He's written it. He's, he, by that time, you'd have sang it a, a million times, probably, in various bits and pieces. So you're very confident with your performance. As long as there's no technical problems like there were for Gemini, the year before I did it. Um, as soon as I heard that track come on the in-ears, as soon as I, I knew it was working, I thought, well, I'll just do exactly what I've been doing with this song for the last month or so. So you'd be prepared. And I think, you know, you can just go out there and enjoy it. The pressure, as soon as the music starts, I think that's when, you know, you can just enjoy it. And, uh, you know, the, the pressure's off for that three minutes. Right up until that point, it's an unbelievable amount of pressure. But as soon as the music sta starts, it's, uh, it's all fun for me. You mentioned it there, really, you know, the number of times that, that James Newman will now perform the song between now and, and Rotterdam. This is the time, isn't it? These coming weeks, this next couple of months is where the real prep goes in. Charlie, can you remember the, the amount of rehearsing that, that you and Paul did before going on to perform and, of course, going on to win the contest? Well, yeah, well, you rehearsed every day for the, for, for the week. You know, I, I, I don't know whether James is actually going to Rotterdam or whether they're going to put a... He's actually going there. Uh, the one thing he will miss is the, the audience, you know, the, the audience where we, the year we won, we were in Ireland in our own place. It was like playing, playing at home, you know, and there was just a buzz. And the whole week, you know, there's parties every night, you know, all the different delegations, they hold different parties. 
and uh, all your friends can come up to the you know to the English party for example all the friends was Francis Ruffel was was um, was representing um, Great Britain the year we were in and we were staying at the same hotel but again going back to the troubles there was a she had her own security team there it was very scary you know and Paul and myself were looking around I wonder has he got a gun I wonder if he is if he security man who you know but the 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 week before is just fantastic we had a fantastic time. Uh, and, you know, somebody told me one time when I was very nervous going on uh, doing a, a big concert, I think there was five or six thousand people there and I was scared. And this guy came up to me and he said, just whispered to me here, he says, don't forget to enjoy it. And it's always been my maxim ever since. If I'm doing something important like that. Um, and I remember saying it to my own son when he was going to play in a big football match. I said, you know, don't forget to enjoy it. And that was my it was the most enjoyable three minutes, I, I, I think, of my showbiz career, if you like just to be sitting there on the stage with just a piano and a guitar and a couple of voices and hearing the roar at the end, you know, just wonderful, wonderful. Before we wrap up and, and get, I, I don't know, it's impossible to do predictions, isn't it, when it comes to Eurovision, but but just going off off what Charlie said there, Nikki, do you remember it as the best three minutes of, of your life, really? Genuinely, yeah, really. It was so special and it, it went like that. that I, suddenly three minutes was gone and the song was at the end it was like oh we've done it and and as Jane said you've got no say in what happens next you've done as good as you can and you think you've done okay but it's up to the people voting as to whether you do do okay or not so yeah you you can only do what you do but it was amazing an amazing feeling and similar memories for you sorry James you do it James, I remember when we spoke on the podcast back in uh, 2020, you told me you remember seeing at the corner of your eye people with the Welsh flag. Yeah. I mean, c- clearly for you as well, it was a very, very memorable three minutes. Yeah, totally. I, I've done a few things like that. I've been very lucky to do some some big gigs like that. And and I, I didn't take them all in. I was either too nervous or like a rabbit in a head, like staring at the camera or, or something. So I was very like... I wanted to take this in. So I literally looked around and took all the Union Jack flags in and all that. There was Welsh flags and daffodils and leeks and stuff. And it was like, yeah, you know, I want to make sure I remember this. You know, I can watch it back, but I want it to be present. And it's very difficult. You know, it's important, like I said, to rem- and remember that, that uh, you got to enjoy it. And I think people will, the audience will relate to that then. They'll see that. And, um, you know, that can only help on, on all fronts, can't it? Steve, if we now move it forward to to talking about this year and and James's song and Ember's and and the hopes that we all have for this song, as you said, it's had a very very positive reception so far. What do you think would be a good result for the United Kingdom this year? I think classic cliche answer. I think left hand side. So <laughs> what are we talking like fifteen and above, maybe? Which I know doesn't sound impressive, but when Nikki mentioned earlier that. At, when in your year, Nikki, you said that was the worst UK placing. What we would give now to get that placing? That's sixteen, yeah. Twenties. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think, and I think this is the strategy of the BBC and the people behind Eurovision is that we know that we can't go straight to number one. This is not what other countries have done. Netherlands, for example, Belgium a couple of years ago. You have to do things incrementally, and you know. James is in the same position as James because he is coming after a last place finish with Michael Rice. So, you know, I think just get us up the table a bit, get us nudging that left-hand side. Anything else is a bonus. Remember, this is a long-term strategy. 
to get the UK back into a position where people go, yeah, you know what? They're putting forward decent songs. They're putting effort in. I think, I think it's begun with James. Uh, Steve, could I ask you a question there? Um, is there a, a new respect for Eurovision in, in Great Britain now? Because when I remember when we won, I remember the, the first uh, radio programme we did in, uh, after winning was with a, BB, a BBC, um, one of the local stations, I think it was Nottingham or somewhere like that. And uh, the first thing he said, we come on, oh, Eurovision, out of crap, innit? You know, and I thought, oh, my God, how are we going to, where do, you, where do you finish your interview after something like that? Because there was a genuine disrespect for Eurovision back then. You know, it was naff, it was whatever it was. Is there, is there a new interest in it now? I, I think it's generational. I think, yes, the Eurovision has a passionate, amazing younger audience, but the UK press still now has this old fashioned view of Eurovision and what it was. And so that's why me and my job at Radio One and I've got colleagues, we, we say we, every time we do a report where we say it's the world's largest music event. You know, it has a huge young audience, a young reach. Look at most of the competitors and who they're emulating. You look at this year's uh, Bulgarian entrant, Victoria, that song could be a Billie Eilish song, you know? So I'm trying to do my bit to, rep, to reflect how the contest is seen by the fans and the audience, but it's still a bit of a challenge to get the UK press to get on board with what it is now rather than what it used to be. It's a bit like having to turn an oil tank around, but we're getting there bit by bit. Very quickly then, before we end, we are running out of time. Should we do it? Should we do stupid predictions about where we think the UK is gonna come? I know it's daft, I know we're weeks away, I know we've not heard all the songs, but, Come on, one by one, where do we think the UK is going to finish at this year's Eurovision Song Contest? Nikki, you can go first. So far, this is far and away the the most lively and the one with, with the most energy to it. So I'm going to say top five, yes. James Fox, what do you think? I think it's got the potential, but I still think uh, top ten will be an absolute result if it gets in the top ten. Charlie McGettigan? Well, all I can say is they can't win it because we're going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> we knew we'd get this when we got an Irishman on our on our uh, on our Zoom call. You, you've got you've got two minutes, Charlie, so you can have a very very quick chat about Leslie's song this year. Where do you think Leslie's going to finish first? Um, it, again, it's difficult to say. You know, I don't think we're quite honestly. I don't think we'll win it. Uh, I think she's going to give a very creditable performance. She's a lovely girl. Uh, um, and she's a bit like James in that she was supposed to go last year and, uh, and had her song and had a really good song last year. And then she had to get a completely new song this year. It's a really up-tempo song. I think both of the, both of the songs are modern. That's, you know, and I think that's good. That will keep, you know, the younger, younger people, uh, you know, entertained. I'm an old fogey myself. I like to go back to, you know, the, the Beatles and, and the Kinks and, you know, I mean, England have such such a record in songwriting and in popularity with that. I mean, I'm still listening to the Beatles 60 years later, you know, and, you know, it, you know, it, it, and they had the great, you know, Sandy Shaw's and the Cliff Richards and all those. Um, I, I, I quite honestly don't think it, it's going to win, but I'd love to see it get into the top 10. And Steve, last word to you. You're, you're hopefully going to be continuing to follow James on, on his journey this year. What do you think? I mean, you've said top 15 would be, you know, would be fantastic, really. But I think, I think that is achievable. I, I think that's achievable. 
I think top 15, as a Eurovision fan, not as a journalist, I think that we can, it's very worthy of left-hand side, top 15, pushing top 10, e- easily. Because the quality of the song this year as well, just to, just to very quickly touch on that, the quality of the songs this, the, this year are fantastic. It's so, so good. I do think that some people have come back with better songs. I think Liz, Leslie's song is better this year. I think other people have come back with not as good songs. Um, but the standard, honestly, in terms of songs that you would hear on the radio is incredible. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Nicky. And thank you, Steve, for joining Pleasure. us. Pleasure. Thank you. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So a big thanks to our four special guests for joining us here on this bonus episode of the Eurotrip. Uh, let's see if I can remember their names. Big thanks to Steve Holden, Nicky French, James Fox and Charlie McGettigan uh, for coming along for the ride and joining us and telling us what it's like to represent your country at Eurovision and what they think more importantly, about James Newman's chances at Eurovision in May. Yeah, really, really interesting to hear their thoughts. As James always says, it was great because they were open, they were honest, they gave a unique insight into the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. But no, jokes aside, we were really, really pleased to be able to put together that panel of voices for you because we know that you enjoy when we talk about the UK at Eurovision here on the podcast. So we will readily do that at the drop of a hat. Honestly, you're getting too used to the bonus episodes, though. There won't be one every week, but there have been plenty lately. But uh, no, we're going to do our best to give you lots of content that you will enjoy between now and May. Yeah, absolutely. We love to bring you the podcast every single week, and we love the reaction you guys give to us as well. So don't forget to to get in touch with us uh, on Twitter, Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast, and you can email email us as well. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com. Yeah, we will be back on Monday, of course, for the final Malfest Monday of the series. Sad face. That's me showing my age. I've spoken an emoji. (laughs) Doesn't quite work, does it? Not really, no, not really. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday for the very last Malfest Monday of the series, reacting to the final of James's favourite word, Melody Festivalen. And uh, back on Wednesday as well, something very special planned yet again. But we're not going to tell you what it is yet. You'll have to just tune in next Wednesday. Yeah, please do. We'll be back in your podcast feed on Monday, as Rob says, for Melfest Monday. Uh, But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, it's goodbye. And from James number three on the podcast this week. Oh no, I'm James number two, aren't I? Yeah, James Newman never actually featured. Unfortunately, we were hoping he would, but uh, but yeah, it didn't pop up. But he will be in 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 a few weeks' time. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, fingers crossed. So from James number two, rather, it's goodbye. Got 12. Those were the very last and points, and now it is official. I mean, that really, I mean, we were better than that. Come on. World, Alex and Bianca. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.